This is It Is What It Is, a podcast gumbo featuring Max Lit. I'm excited to welcome our guest for this episode, uh, Nat Williams. How are you doing today? I'm good, Max. How you doing? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Uh, we talked about it a little bit. Rough week. <laughs> Rough couple of weeks, right? Yes. But as life goes <laughs> sometimes. So um, for all that, for all of you that may not know, um, I was on uh, Nat's podcast. Uh, I'm going to let you plug that real quick. So I don't get any of the verbiage mixed up or wrong. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, you were on uh, my podcast is called um, Authentically Me, The Real Life of Transformation. And it's under soul therapy with Max Litt. Um, And I really enjoyed spending that time chatting with you. <laughs> and I enjoyed it as well. Um, I also enjoyed the episodes of your podcast that I was able to uh, watch. Uh, some people I know, uh, there's some podcasts coming up, no spoilers here, uh, of other people. Yes. That I know, so I'm really excited, uh, for those upcoming episodes as well. Um, so we're going to talk a little bit about your podcasting and, and your creative endeavors as well. But what I really wanted to do is talk, you know, set things off with, you know, who you are. Um, we've talked, you know, a lot about the similarities that we have as far as upbringing and things like that. Um, but what I really wanted to focus on was just you, Nat, uh, mm -hmm. as a person and how you move through, you know, this crazy thing called life as it were. Yeah, that, <laughs> <laughs> I know that's My a broad, uh, that's a broad, spectrum. <laughs> yes, it's a broad spectrum. Um, it might have to do too. Now, I'll will. Break <laughs> <laughs> well, let's see. Um, Goodness, I uh, am not native to South Carolina. Uh, I am just outside of Detroit, Michigan. I grew up in a town called Romulus. So if you fly into uh, Detroit Metro Airport, that is small town with just this airport in the middle of it. And uh, it was about 30 minutes west of downtown Detroit. And um, I have two siblings, a younger brother and an older sister. And I grew up, um, my parents divorced when I was really young yeah. and uh, was raised by a single mom, the, myself and my two siblings. Um, it was, you know, very uh, challenging time, single mom, um, just trying to do what you do to take care of these, these children. And um, life was, life was hard. Uh, I remember a lot of good things that did happen, but I just remember that um, it was, it, it just seemed really hard for us to get on our feet. And I was that ambitious child, mm -hmm. the dreamer child. Um, I heard a lot, you know, get your head out of the clouds. Oh, <laughs> uh, um, yeah. Yeah. Get, get your head out of the clouds. Um, you, you need to, you need to think about getting a real job. Um, education was not, or I should say, education beyond high school was not um something that was really um looked upon as good um you and I have the common ground of growing up at Jehovah's Witness right, <laughs> Max right and so <laughs> everything was pure uh devotion to that organization so it was you're going to Bethel you're going to be a circuit overseer's wife 
um, or you're going to go into regular pioneering. You, that's how you're going to spend yeah. your life. You don't need that extra education because um, this system or this world is not going to last anyway. So you're not going to need that. <laughs> okay. Well, like like it, it happened when we did your podcast. You, you're yep. using terminology that a lot of people might not be familiar with. Yep. So we'll start with the regular pioneering aspect of it, because that is generally where you start when you move from there to Bethel to Circuit Oversteer, Circuit Oversteer's wife, things like that. So yes. just real quick, explain what that means, the, the regular pioneering aspect. It's pretty much door-to-door ministry on steroids. Mm-hmm. <laughs> In a nutshell, you are, you know, everybody knows like, when the Jehovah's Witnesses show up to their door on a Saturday morning, typically. Yep. Um, so think about that, but doing it every day. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> I remember when I was coming up, it was an hourly quota. Like you had yep. to like meet 90 hours a month. I don't yes. think it's that much now. But when I think of 90 hours a month doing one thing, that's quite a bit. That's Especially quite a bit. something like bringing the quote unquote good news to your neighbors. Exactly. And, you know, especially on a holiday, too, because sometimes they do that. You know, mm-hmm. you, you don't bother people on Easter or Christmas, you know, um, that kind of thing. But no, that was that was where the emphasis was placed. And I knew I didn't want to do that um, at a very young age. Uh, I didn't have the language that I have gotten as an adult. I was a creative child. Mm-hmm. and I needed an outlet for that. So anytime I wanted to explore that, um, I tried it in dance for a little bit, and when that seemed like it was going to take up too much time from the Kingdom Hall, mm-hmm. that got squashed yep. really quick. And I enjoyed dancing, especially hip-hop. Um, now, hip-hop in high school now looks like a lot different than the hip-hop. Oh, a lot different. <laughs> now. <laughs> this a is lot like different. This is the 90s. <laughs> 80s and 90s. It yeah. looked, you know, you know, I can remember being in a parade um, at, in the town we grew up in, and we was dancing to uh, Jam with Michael Jackson, and um, uh, what was his name? I can't remember. Um do you remember that song, Max? Yeah, I remember the song. Yeah, we were dancing to that, and it was just regular hip hop, I guess. But now yeah. it's it's a whole different creative that's, space. That's a whole another podcast. That's a whole other podcast. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Another podcast, and um, but I enjoyed it, and that when I started dancing, it was it was just like wow, this is really cool. I got lost in it. Yeah. You know, I tried a little ballet, but didn't, I was more expressive. Um, and my parents just, you know, no, that's going to take too much time away from yeah. Jehovah's organization. So you need to to back away from that. Yeah. So how did that shape, you know, like, because we all transition from uh, childhood to young adulthood. Yes. Um, I know from speaking with you, on various occasions, um, there was a huge shift between growing up as a witness and then how you moved into other things. But how did that creative kind of um, stunting or, or resistance, how did that shape how you move forward once you were able to make like your own decisions as far as who you wanted to be and things like that? Well, I mean, it, it definitely 
put me into a box for a while. Mm -hmm. Um, I knew that I needed to get out of Michigan and I needed to get away from my family if I really wanted to figure out things. Right. Mm -hmm. And I always had the spirituality um, uh, desire. So I went looking for it. And, you know, when I came down here and um, in my previous marriage, um, my my ex was, you know, pretty much in seminary, um, training to become a pastor. And, you know, when I when I met him, it was I was in, you know, starting to go to church because, you know, you come down south. That's like one of the main questions they ask you is, oh, where are you from yeah. and where do you go to church? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> You know, that was the main thing. And, you know, just just to kind of dovetail back on growing up, you know, going to church was a no, no in the mm-hmm. kingdom. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there were things that there were experiences I had to l- lead me to a place where I wasn't afraid to enter the building anymore. Right. So um, got down here. I had, as they say, my conversion. Mm-hmm. Um <laughs> I had my conversion. Um, that is, is that's, that'll be another podcast <laughs> of that experience. Yeah. Um, and I don't negate it because I feel like it's a part of my journey. Absolutely. Um, it's a part of my journey. It, I, I had a real encounter with the divine and it, it, it shaped some things for me. And um, when I got into that space within Christianity, um, we were, I remember walking downtown Greenville and I seen these people and I, they looked like Jehovah's Witnesses. Mm-hmm. And I remember asking my ex, I was like, those people over there, who are they? And he said they were Jonesers. And I was like, well, what, what's that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what's that? I, and I said, I've never heard of that faith. What, what is this faith? And so he breaks it down for me. And I said, oh, is that why the girls are wearing those long skirts like that? Yeah. Well, explain to them what the Joneses were. Okay, so the Joneses are Bob Jones University, yeah. which is a very well-known conservative uh university here in Greenville, South Carolina. And he went there. <laughs> oh wow, that I did not yeah. know. Yes, he he went there um and had the whole experience, uh graduated, got his degree. Yeah. Um and that was very it, it shook his faith. Yeah. because of some of the policies and procedures that they had in place at that time. Yeah. Um, but again, part of his journey. And so we ended up being in more uh, conservative churches out the gate. Mm-hmm. And then we had an experience where we started getting exposed to some of more of the uh, spirit-filled, charismatic, Pentecostal churches. And that started honestly, Max, opening up, going into those spaces. You had the worship dance in those churches. Yeah. Um, you had uh, like theater, but it was based on biblical stories. Mm-hmm. So I started to see the creative space, and I thought, wow, there are people that actually dance and have flags in church. Right, because it's included, <laughs> right? It's not, it's not it's frowned included. upon. Right, it's not frowned yeah. upon. And I remember going to this like dance um, event 
that we were invited to by um, a person who was a Christian mentor for me for a while. And I cried the entire time yeah. because I didn't know that you could have a space like that. And seeing for myself that it was possible to be creative in something I love, which was dance and being that space and still, and God wasn't going to like strike you down dead mm-hmm. for it. <laughs> right. Right. Um, and so that began to open that up for me. And um, I started to just pick up different things about just creative things uh, in the space. I met other people who uh, had other creative outlets, like they painted or they did uh, some sort of pottery or they did do some kind of poetry. Now it mm-hmm. fell into the context of spirituality more um, mm-hmm. within the church but it was eye-opening for me that it was possible because I, you, you couldn't do that <laughs> right. growing up. You, you couldn't do that. So it, that, was, that was enlightening for me. So, so moving from Jehovah's Witnesses into the church, and then uh, uh, if I'm remembering correctly, you actually pursued uh, a, a more larger role uh, as mm-hmm. far as being in the church goes, correct? Yes. Um, when... When we got married, um, we were like fresh off the altar. I'm not mm-hmm. kidding. Mm-hmm. Fresh off the altar. And um, we started doing like groups. Um, and the first group that we started was um, kind of a, sat- it ended up becoming a satellite church. We didn't know what the heck we were doing, Max. We were just kind of like, well, they need some people that come to a home group. And we're the only house in Spartanburg. <laughs> yeah. And we had the, we had a, we had a good size house where we could accommodate. And the first meeting we had, I'm not kidding you. I think there was about 15 to 20 people that showed up. Mm. And for a 27 year old and a 29 year old leading it. Wow. And there were people that, I mean, I remember we had doctors, a doctor, a lawyer, a pharmaceutical rep. I mean, there were people forties, fifties, and even sixties. And here's this 27 year old and 29 year old facilitating this. Looking to (laughs) y'all. Right. It was like, you know, Oh no. We, we, we were like, we felt like we were, that was what we were supposed to do, you know? And it was, it was a lot of dynamics, uh, there was a lot of things that I seen that I think I ended up turning a blind eye to. But when I look back, I could see, you know, a lot of things as far as classism um, and people who were highly educated looking down on the other people in the room that weren't as educated. And it it really, I kind of started, I started to see the BS a little bit. Mm -hmm. And what was in my mind was, okay, wait a minute. Like, if we all love Jesus, <laughs> what does that matter? Right. Yeah. And, and I mean, that's a question that you would naturally ask, right? Yeah. yeah. If, if we all believe that we're going to go to the same place when we die, um, who cares? Yeah. You know, I remember there was a guy in it and he was a close friend of my husband at the time. And he did gospel rap. That was another mm-hmm. creative outlet that yeah i, had I think i shared with you a piece that i wrote if you know if 
Yes. So if there was a such thing as Jehovah's Witness rap, I'd be an icon. So yeah, I definitely yep, understand exactly. that. I definitely exactly. understand that. And you know, his friend, I mean, he was he had this family. He they had like six kids. Um, I think he was like almost he was like six nine. He was really tall mm. and just beautiful family. And you know, one night we had him do some gospel rap because it was like wait a minute i mean this is worship it's just yeah. a different style than y'all are used to but i think this should be embraced you know that's the way we were and we loved to we loved practicing that diversity and celebrating the different gifts that were in the room yeah. you know and not everybody was agreeing with that so eventually we had to kind of hand that over Mm-hmm. And that became a church that is still out in Spartanburg. It became a huge church plant. Mm-hmm. So you grew up a witness. You transitioned into the church, which I know me and you've talked about. That's something that um, for my personal experience was a rarity. You know, mm-hmm. people didn't leave Jehovah's Witnesses and move into a uh, leadership role in in a different church or different religion. As yes. it were. So that I'm sure that was like a, a, a wild experience for you. But then moving away from that, you know, into your own form of spirituality as it stands maybe today or evolved into uh, what it is today. How was that transitioning from basically two different ways of spirituality into a third? Yeah, it. You've heard the word deconstruction. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And I started my deconstruction actually in 2021. Um, and this is after years of, and I didn't touch on a lot of this, but just years of ministry, moving, um, coming alongside churches, uh, preaching, teaching, doing ministries, stuff like that. 15, almost 15 years of that. Mm-hmm. And to when I, when I had my experience of getting sick, uh, in 2019 and we were still very much in the church and when I got sick and it wasn't determined exactly what was going on with me it took us a long time to figure it out and we took things as far as church and family of God seriously and people fear what they don't understand if you're mm-hmm. not this the same person you were the last time they seen you, um, people don't know what to do. And so we, I started to see things that I'll be honest with you, it shook me and it shook my ex-husband as well. And when we needed the church, um, they abandoned us. Right. They weren't there. They weren't there. And, you know, there was labels that flew, um, all kinds of stuff. And we just, we got into this space where we were just like, you know, we're not going to, we're not going to do this anymore because it's just, it's just, this is not, this is not good, you know? And so um, during this entire time, um, there were things that I had got exposure to, um, more spiritual things and people that I had encountered and it never left me because I would encounter people who were like Reiki masters or mm-hmm. they were into crystals. Mm-hmm. Um, and 
it was always deemed as don't mess with them because they're new age people. You know, they're going to expose you to things that you don't need to be exposed to. But I was that curious person. And yeah. I always went off of, well, wait a minute, you know, why? Because this is different than what you've been taught. This is still a living, breathing individual. This is mm -hmm. a human on this planet. Mm -hmm. You know, if, if you believe Jesus went everywhere, then he engaged them too. <laughs> so right. it, it never left me. And in the deconstruction process, literally, I just got in a space of, okay, whatever I need to learn to have my own spirituality and be grounded, I'm just, I'm here. I, I'm ready to go on this journey. And I started it was just amazing how things just started coming to me, you know, yeah. um, different books to read, different people. Um, I had, I've done hair for many years. I forgot to talk about that, but I would have clients bring me stones, um, especially if it was something that had to do with my health and they would just be like, here, put this by your bed <laughs> right. yeah. or, or carry this with you whenever you go and do things. And I started to get in tuned with, mm -hmm. wait a minute. Okay. So Reiki, and I learned Reiki and became a Reiki master myself. And then I started to understand. I'm like, wait a minute. So if I'm sending Reiki to somebody, mm -hmm. it was the same thing as when I did intercessory prayer to pray yep. for somebody who was sick. Yep. It's just different language. Right. <laughs> it's interesting because it's like you listening to you talk about your discovery of these things is mm -hmm. very similar to my discovery of the same things, mm -hmm. right? Um, mm -hmm. So with that discovery, um, um, trying to figure out a way to, to phrase this correctly. So with your discovery and listening to your podcast and you talk about your different transitions and then you talk mm -hmm. about the deconstruction and now you're living an authentic life. How mm -hmm. does all of that uh, play into uh, your experiences and the stories that you tell. I mean, it it plays a lot into it because, like I said earlier, I I took different pieces from everything, mm -hmm. right? And it has on this side of all of that. It it's there's parts of me that I still pray. It just doesn't look like what it used to, right? Okay, right. Um, and now having the embracing my authentic self as you know being a lesbian <laughs> you know and living that life and not denying it and incorporating these other things that I I've learned about you know the divinity within you know mm -hmm. and you you can think for yourself and if you you know if you ask spirit or you ask some people say they ask ancestors or spirit guides or whatever for direction on what you need to do it's just wrapped up in different language and I don't feel condemnation behind it the further away I've gotten from the how should I say the box mm -hmm. <laughs> or the structure of it um it's just been a real awakening to there's so much more and there I'm still on the journey Max yeah. I'm still learning yeah different things um i'm still learning about you know like vibration and you know getting in tune with that and mm -hmm. just 
getting myself grounded in having relationship with the higher being, whatever you want to call it, mm -hmm. and knowing that that has not changed any way, shape, or form of how how the higher being feels about me. Yeah. And I think that was the biggest thing that I had to overcome was, is God still going to, or is the creator going to yeah. still love me once I embraced the fact that I was gay <laughs> and stopped playing and wearing the mask and because this is how I had been taught. And I can tell you that hasn't changed. <laughs> and that's important. Um, I know I struggle with that a lot and I still struggle with it. Um, because I kind of feel like I haven't totally embraced um, who I am or who I aspire to be. Uh, mm -hmm. So that kind of leads into my next question. Um, you're a podcaster, fellow podcaster. Uh, yes. You've got a, a, an amazing series of episodes where you explore uh, so many different things. And what I appreciate about your podcast is you tell your story, but it's mm -hmm. also a platform for others to tell their stories. Mm -hmm. So when you were crafting uh, what you thought or what you felt like was your vision for your podcast, what inspired you to search out these different types of people to hear their stories and then be able to play it for those who are willing to listen? So a lot of the, the guests that I have come on the show, Max, um, yourself included, I've met them. Um, our paths have crossed in some form or fashion. And um, I wanted to create a space where they have an opportunity to share how they became them, their authentic selves. Now, I do realize that's an ever going process. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> and, you know, some people I'm definitely going to have to bring back on to see the involvement of their journey. But with each person that I interview, I find a little bit of myself in each person. And the idea behind the podcast was this to give people the space to tell their story. Yes, that's one part. But the other part is to the people who listen or watch maybe there's somebody they know or that is going through or has gone through what this person is going through, or they might be experiencing it themselves. Right. And a lot of us are interconnected on this planet. And I just feel like this is a way for people to just to hear intricate parts of people's journeys that have made them who they are. And, you know, there's, it's a raw form, as you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a very raw form. And I say, you know, the good, the bad, the ugly, and the real ugly, because, you know, a lot of people, and I'll just talk about it from the, the context of social media. A lot of times, you know, people will put things on social media and you don't know what's going on. Yeah. Um, behind that picture or what's going on at home. And it it just, allows people to hear their stories and you know a lot of my guests that have been on there um they're in the queer community or they're allies mm -hmm. um and you know just how did this person arrive at where they are 
in this space in their life. And, you know, um, there's so much going on, as you know, right now within the trans community and all the bills and stuff going on yeah. with that now. And I just wanted to give space for people to tell their story, you know, tell their story and why they felt different in some cases way back or, you know, in retrospect to myself, you know, I was following what I was taught <laughs> mm -hmm. and I didn't want to rock the boat for a long time because that's what I knew. And then, you know, you get to a place where you just get tired of it and you don't want to sugarcoat it anymore. <laughs> yeah. And I think part of it too, and this is just me speaking from my own experience, you get tired of hiding, right? Exactly. I mean, and, and I've listened to some of the, the stories that you've had uh, with your guests on your podcast. And I think a lot of those stories come, come from the same place. Mm -hmm. uh, either People are aware of who they are very early on in life and they struggle with, you know, letting their family members know or just being honest with themselves or mm -hmm. they discover this a little bit later on and then they deal with a lot of personal shame and a lot of personal guilt um, because of however way that their lifestyle was before. Mm -hmm. um, would you would you say that's pretty accurate? Oh, it's very accurate. And it's, you know it it's so I, and, and in both cases it's it's really it could just be a really rocky space mm -hmm. for the person and I'll speak for myself you know I've lived one way yeah. <laughs> for a long time and you know it you know a lot of people felt like oh well she's going through a midlife crisis you know yeah. or, you know <laughs> yep. She has lost her shit. <laughs> but <laughs> would you? But would you say that that is people trying to justify, or not even justify, trying to? Because I used to think it was people trying to understand, but mm -hmm. now I feel like it's people trying to say, "Oh, that's not. It's not like whatever the authentic version of you is that you're admitting to yourself and trying to bring to other people. It's not that they're just tripping out." Yeah. Or, yeah, no, I've ahead, encountered that. I've I've encountered it from even family. Mm -hmm. You know, you know, it's. I think like it'll uh, pass, right? Yeah, <laughs> it'll pass. It's just a phase. Oh well, maybe because you just weren't happy in your marriage, and mm -hmm. you're you're deciding to try something new, mm -hmm. um, or whatever. No, you know, this was something that was brewing from way back, yeah. and I let fear have the greater voice. <laughs> yeah. yeah, for a long time, and now you you can't handle where I am because I'm not in that box that you liked me in, where I wasn't rocking the boat. Mm -hmm. Or I wasn't, I was being a good little girl <laughs> or a good, uh, a good woman. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And your definition of what that looks like and what I am now is different. And, you know, I went through a big cleansing. I feel like everybody will go through this. I don't care yeah. who you are. Mm -hmm. Okay. The relationships that I had a year ago. I don't have. Yeah. Yeah. I don't. I have very few. I can count it on like maybe two or three fingers. Mm. And it's okay. It is okay because 
everybody that came in, they served a purpose. It was a season. And this was one of the things in therapy that I had to really, really work through because I had a hard time letting go, you know, and just coming to that space of going, okay, this is, this is who I am. I know this is not who you knew me as, Mm -hmm. but I'm still essentially Natalia. (laughs) Right. Like you really haven't changed from the person that you were. Mm -mm. People's perception of who you are now. Exactly. The perception changes and, you know, that's hard. You know, you think about people who, who decide to live authentically themselves and, you know, they get abandoned by their family and, stuff like that. It, yeah. it, it, these are real life stories. And I think we spend so much time trying to make people fit into our box. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that we feel better, right? <laughs> so we feel better. Exactly. And and that's, no, go ahead. Go ahead. No, it's okay. It's, it, it's just, again, that falls into that conditioning. Okay. Yeah. That societal conditioning of this is the way it's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Because that's easy. Yes. Right. Um, mm-hmm. One of the things when I talk to my mom um, and we talk to we, we talk about a lot more broader topics than we used to. And I would say maybe three or four years ago, because uh, three or four years ago, I couldn't talk to my mom about anything if it wasn't Jehovah's Witnesses or the weather. Yeah. Because uh, yeah. it would be too much. Right. Um, mm-hmm. But it's like when you start to talk a little bit about those things, you start to understand other people. You're you're also understanding yourself, too. Um, yes. But. And and this is one of the things I love about your podcast, the title. It's like mm-hmm. authentically me, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And because it's 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 telling the stories of other people, it's authentically them. It's authentically the guests. And it's always authentically you because you're the host. Um, I feel like authenticity, as much as people yearn for it, a lot of people don't want it. Because it challenges how they think. Who are you telling? <laughs> <laughs> Who are you telling? It, no. it, 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 it's going to make you think differently. Right. It has to. It has to. Even if you don't want to. Yeah. I said this before. I, I don't remember who I was interviewing. And I said, it's easier to buy the lie and keep mm-hmm. living in it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's easier. It's, it's also easier to tell the lie. Mm-hmm. Um, me and Davlin talk about this all the time. Uh, when I was growing up, when I was talking to my parents, uh, I would lie about certain things. And I would always say, it's not really lying. It's, I'm just buying myself time to, <laughs> you know, get get around whatever the consequences are going to be. Yes. And a lot of times we're doing that with ourselves to buy ourselves time. Or some people are trying to buy themselves time not to understand this thing about you. That's not new. It's been there the Mm-mm. entire time. They're yeah. trying to process how they feel about it, how we feel about it. Right. 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 Yeah, you're right. And then when you get into the space of, I don't really care what you think. Mm -hmm. That's scary for people too. And I know like that is, I mean, like I have caused some earthquakes with that statement (laughs) (laughs) because it was like, well, but you're, you, 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 why are you being mean? I'm not being mean. I'm just telling you something you don't want to hear right Right. now. Mm -hmm. I, I don't, I'm going to take you however you are, okay? We may not agree on some things, but I respect you as a living, breathing soul human being on this planet. You're yeah. here for a reason. And you hear me in the podcast with that. You're, mm-hmm. You, mm-hmm. you are 
on this planet for a reason. People need to know you're here. People need it to hear your that story. Way. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. yes. They need to hear your story. Because if even if it's even if it's just a little bit, just a little bit, it could just tweak just it, it could have such a profound effect if you open yourself up a little bit. But mm-hmm. when you come from the perspective of I don't really care what you think, because at the end of the day, this is who I am. I know who you are. I'm here. The door is open when you're ready. If not, mm-hmm. that's okay. Yeah. It's okay. And it's not an arrogant statement. I have spent my entire it's life. Honest. It's honest. And I have spent my entire life, Max, caring about what people think. Mm. And that kept me in a, a, a fear, a crippling fear mm-hmm. about a lot of things because I was too worried about what they were going to think. And rightfully so. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I feel like so I've I've I have people, friends that I grew up with, and when I hear a story like yours, um, and I compare it to my story and I compare it mm-hmm. to their story, um, mm-hmm. I always encourage people, listen, I know this is not easy for you to tell. You know, I know it's mm-hmm. not easy for to put yourself out there. Vulnerability is a huge thing. Mm-hmm. Um but also self-admission is a huge thing. Yes. So, and I guess what I'm getting to is, you know, I want people to be able to tell their story because there's going to be someone that, like you said earlier, will hear that and be and feel empowered to tell their story mm-hmm. or feel mm-hmm. empowered to live in their truth. So mm-hmm. is there, do you feel like an obligation or did you feel like an obligation once you, once you were comfortable with being, you know, honest and outspoken and telling people, you know, I no longer care what you think or what anyone thinks I have to live myself. I have to live my life authentically. Did you feel Mm -hmm. an obligation to tell your story? I did for a while in the beginning. I mean, I I, I did. And parts of my story, Mm because, you know, you encounter people and okay. You know, there were people, I mean, I came out on TikTok, Max. (laughs) Oh, wow. (laughs) Yeah. I, I did. And I couldn't believe I did it when I did. I was like, oh, my goodness. But I started telling pieces of my story on TikTok. Mm-hmm. And I started, there were people, I had already thought about a podcast, but I didn't even have the blueprint completely yet. And I just started telling bits and pieces of my story mm-hmm. and different um, different recordings. And I had people all over the country start like commenting oh my gosh, I had the exact same thing happen to me. It's so refreshing yeah. to hear somebody talk about it. Mm-hmm. Or I experienced religious abuse too. Or, hey, I grew up a Jehovah's Witness too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I started seeing like, oh, wow, there's power in telling the story. Yeah, And parts of your story. And that is when the blueprint for it started coming out. I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, this is what I'm, this is what I'm supposed to do. Yeah. Give people, I'm, I created the space to tell. The right? story's already there, right? It's there. Yeah. So here, here's the space. Tell your story. And it's not easy. I mean, I listened to some of your guests and there's, there's a couple of um, guests coming up that I'm, I'm mm-hmm. going to let you talk about when we're wrapping up. Um, yes. But I'm, which, you know, I've heard their stories, but I'm also excited to hear it through the lens of your podcast. Um, mm-hmm. it's not easy. Mm-mm. 
to tell our stories because there's so much pain and there's so much hurt in those yes. stories, right? Mm -hmm. Um, but I feel like, like when you said the space is here, you know, and you invite people to that space, mm -hmm. it's liberating. Yes. Liberating. Um, yes. And I appreciate you providing that space for people um, because not only does it uh, give a space for those people to tell those, their stories, but those people who are listening, you mm -hmm. know, um, someone once told me this uh, poet, Steve Williams, I'll never forget this guy. He was an older guy and he would come to Coffee Underground when I was hosting out there years and years ago. Mm -hmm. And one day I was just hosting and I didn't share any of my poetry. And he came to me afterwards. He was like, why didn't you speak today? And I was like, ah, oh, you know, I didn't really feel like I didn't really feel like I had anything important to say today. And he was like, never don't speak your truth because you never know who's listening and who will be affected by it. Yes. And that stuff, yeah. was, that really did. Burned your ears up, didn't it? <laughs> it did, because it's like, at that point, he's like, you know, when I talked about obligations, when we have spaces, like, so we make decisions, right? We're like, all right, I'm going to have a podcast, or I'm going to make music, or I'm going to write poetry, or whatever like that. We're assuming a responsibility. Mm -hmm. I don't think we initially understand that or initially know it. Um, but the people who hear us will say it. You know, if they're affected by it, they're like, oh, man, I, I hope you continue to do da 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 And once I know once I realized that there was something that people were actually looking for, not, nothing in particular, right? But it's like somebody's going to listen and somebody's going to be impacted by it. It's like, oh, okay. So yes. there's a responsibility there. It is. It's it's a responsibility. And, you know, it. like you said, it's don't, or your friend said, don't be don't ever be in a place where you feel like you can't share your truth. And that's right. a very liberating statement. And it, it is, it's empowering. And then I also find too, when people come on and podcast never goes the way I intend for it to go. <laughs> <laughs> it never. This so. is why I, I really haven't had guests up until maybe a couple of months ago. Cause yeah. it's like, if it's just you, you can navigate it when right. somebody else is in the space. It's like, Ooh, but I think yes. that's I think that's a big part of it too. When you provide that space, um, yes. you may have an outline. You may have a plan. Like I had an outline for today, and I touched on some points. But I think it expanded well past some of those points that I had, which I think worked out pretty well. I agree. I agree. And there's always <laughs> something that comes out. Like you know, somebody will I'll be interviewing them, and they're going, you know, and when as we've been talking, I thought about such and such, and uh -huh. I'm like, okay, let's talk about that. Uh -huh. You know, there's always something that comes up unexpectedly. And, you know, it's it it is it's a safe space, but I also feel like it's a brave space too. Right, because right. you gotta tell some hard things, like you yeah. said. Yeah. Um so we covered quite a bit of things, but what I wanted to also cover um and, and get you to talk a little bit about is your writing and yes. your you're working on this project that I feel once it's completed and I'm privileged to be able to, to assist you um, mm -hmm. as far as, you know, accountability, advice, creativity. Mm -hmm. um, but the more I hear about it and the more we talk about it, I'm so excited because I think it's going to have an impact on a lot of people. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yes. So, um, 
<laughs> it's funny. <laughs> and I laugh because I think about where it started and how it evolved. Mm -hmm. And so uh, for years and years and years, I would hear people come to me, especially in the realm of the church, because we were in spiritual churches and people would come up and talk to me and give me what they call a word of knowledge. And I heard multiple times, you're going to write a book. Mm. You're going to write a book. You're going to write a book. And in 2019, I was living in Greensboro, North Carolina. And we went up there to help the church. And I felt this mega push to start writing it. And the title of the book is A Life Being Transformed. Mm. I was going to write it in the Christian sector. Okay. And the journey of, you know, adventures in ministry and all this stuff that we've seen and all this other stuff. And it was going to have different language to it. Right. I started writing it and I wasn't working at the time max. And so mm -hmm. I was putting in some work mm -hmm. on this thing and then I got sick and it came to a screeching halt mm -hmm. <laughs> for about two years and had the awakening deconstruction. There was a lot of stuff that happened. The title of the book never changed. And what's the title of the book? It's a life being transformed. I love it. A life being transformed because my life has transformed. Exactly and I don't negate any of the stuff that I experienced um, in ministry, the things I've seen. There's going to be some stuff that you're going to read that will probably put the hair on the back of your neck up. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's part of my story and it's part of the experiences that I've had, what I've seen, my upbringing, all that stuff. But it's, I had no idea how things were going to fall into place where that title never changed. Mm. It never changed. And it's the, it, it, the podcast was derived from that mm. <laughs> because you're, you're, as you transform, you're becoming more authentically you. Right. 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 And so um, it's I'm excited to 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 have you coming on this journey with me because it's 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 taking a minute and it's it's hard to write your story. It's hard to tell your story. It's hard to write it, too. Yeah, because you're revisiting things. Right, right, right. And, I, and while you're while, while you were saying that, I kind of understood why one of my friends who I'm really trying to encourage to um, tell their story why it's so hard for them because like mm -hmm. you said you are revisiting those things um mm -hmm. some of the stuff that we've experienced um is very traumatic yes. and i think it takes a long time some stuff is subtly traumatic right um and when i say that i don't mean it's it's not traumatic i mean we don't realize how traumatic it, it is until we're not in that space anymore until we walk away from those things yeah. um and then or people have been telling us for years, you don't think that's weird? Um, I was watching a documentary on my my area in Queens that I grew up in, um, South Jamaica. And it was talking about the, the late 80s, early 90s and how the crack epidemic hit that neighborhood so bad. And mm -hmm. I remember growing up and not even feeling like that was abnormal. Wow. And didn't even think about it until I was away from it. And I'm watching the documentary. I'm like, I was there. I was there. I was there. 
in danger and didn't even know it. Or mm -hmm. it didn't seem like it was dangerous. So when we talk about some of the traumatic experiences that we experienced growing up, we talk about religious oppression and those things, mm -hmm. we don't feel like it's abnormal until we revisit it. Yes. Yes. And then we're you like, whoa. <laughs> yeah. And it, I mean, you look back and you're like, wow, how in the world? I mean, and it stung in the moment, but then like you go back and you look and you're like, jeez. Yeah. You know, how in the world did you, did you make it to the other side of that? Um, and it, it, it's, I've had to revisit a lot. You know, I'm, I'm, I mentioned to you when we talked, um, I have to go home this summer mm -hmm. and I haven't been back to Detroit in four years, mm. almost five. And I have to go back for the purposes, one, to visit family, mm -hmm. but two, I have to have documentation of things i have places that i have to go visit and i intentionally intend to go visit so i can sit in that space yeah and that all of the emotions and everything that happened can come forth so i can tell it yeah and that can you know i'm sure that's going to be triggering you know yeah, of course, <laughs> of course. It, it's going to be triggering um and revisiting things but again the intention with writing this story is that it will help somebody. Somebody will read it and they might be in a certain space in their life. And, you know, you tell the story or they read this autobiography and they go, Oh my gosh. <laughs> right. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm there or home girl. I know she there. <laughs> I'm here. Read this book. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, and, and it's like when it comes and people don't read anymore, which I understand that, but that doesn't um, negate the value of books and stories. Mm -mm, uh, mm -mm. So, you know, I'm sure people when the project is finished and it's out there for the people, individuals will read it or they'll know your story and they'll be like, hey, listen, I know somebody who could really benefit from this. Let me tell them about it. Gift them a copy, et cetera. Right. So yeah. um, I'm personally looking forward to you know, the, the, the end result of not just that project, but everything you've got coming up in the future, um, which brings me to uh, the, the wrap up portion of our podcast. <laughs> um, <laughs> like you said earlier, we are going to have more more uh, episodes where we discuss with you and tell you your stories. Um, but for the time being. Tell us about your podcast once again, and also tell us where we can find you. All right. So, again, the name of the podcast is Authentically Me. The real life of transformation. So we have kind of pivoted <laughs> into video, but there are archives of previous interviews that are housed on Spotify mm -hmm. right now. Mm -hmm. um, we have our Instagram page too. Um, and um, we've been going live uh, more frequently on Instagram just because it's, you know, I'm interviewing people out of state now and it it i love technology for that reason <laughs> that you could do that but instagram yeah. it's authentically me underscore podcast uh and then we launched a a tiktok page recently as well and that just has more of like just highlights mm -hmm. from podcasts i still have some work to do on that but that one is at authentically me podcast um on tiktok as well Cool, cool. And before we go, um, I would just like to add, and I thought about this as um, 
we were coming to the end. So this is completely off the top of the head. Um, if there's any words of advice for aspiring writers, uh, authors, artists, whatever, um, what would that be to anyone listening who has heard your story, maybe has heard a couple of episodes of your podcast, and they're thinking about their story and whether or not they should tell it? Tell your story and don't hold anything back in it. Um, but also surround yourself with other people who can help encourage you to keep doing it. Um, hold you accountable. I, I'm grateful for you, Max. <laughs> I really am in retrospect to that, but don't hold anything back on your story and take your time. Mm. You know, we get caught up on deadlines. Mm -hmm. uh, I got to have this done by this. I got to have this done by this. Urgency. Urgency, <laughs> right? I still fight that narrative in my head, okay? Yeah. And just continue to write, okay? Get get in a space where you just you just get lost in that and and the story is going to get told and it will get released when it's supposed to get released. Um I don't think there's anything wrong with saying I'd like to have it done by such and such a time, but don't beat yourself up mm, mm -hmm. if it, it it's not done in that time. Um because it, it, again, it will come out when it is supposed to come out, but also surround yourself with people who are going to encourage you in that space as well. Other writers um, that uh, or people who have written a book or people who also are aspiring to write a book. I'll say this really quick. There was an individual I had on my podcast um, episode, like the first episode and after they had the podcast, they were so inspired after telling their story, they started writing their story. Awesome. Okay. And for me, that was just like, great. Confirmation, <laughs> <the> right? <laughs> yes. That exactly. was the whole point. You know, it, tell, tell your story because you just don't know, but make sure you get around people that are going to continue to um encourage you and affirm you in it and i i see this person regularly and you know they're 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 moving forward <laughs> there it is um well nat i will say i have thoroughly enjoyed you joining us on the podcast today um yes. i look forward to uh working with you further in the future but thank you so much for oh, yeah. for, for joining us today uh if i may ask one more favor can yes. you repeat for everyone listening the way you end your podcast? Repeat. The, oh, <laughs> you're talking about <laughs> the end of the podcast. I was like, oh, wait a minute. What are you talking about, Max? I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> yes. I always say at the end of my podcast, uh, you're on this planet for a reason. Yes. Your life has purpose. Yes. And people need to know that you're here. Yes. And that is it. That's it right there. Uh, thank yes. you once again. Um, and this has been the It Is What It Is podcast, uh, Podcast Gumbo featuring Max Lit. And for this episode featuring Nat Williams, thank you so much once again. And we look forward to talking to you soon. Mm -hmm.